Hello and welcome to The Joy of Marketing. This week I'm joined by Victor Van Amarongan, the Chairman and Creative Director of Space City Productions. Victor trod that well-worn path of having a degree in theoretical physics to TV advertising. Um, and according to a notification I saw on LinkedIn, he's been at Space City for 29 years. This is correct, yes, and, yeah. and uh, hopefully last another 29 years <laughs> if my health holds up. And you're a prolific producer of TV adverts for dozens of e-commerce brands, including Groupon, Moonpig, Protect Your Bubble, Muscle Food, and indeed, I am also on that illustrious list. Uh, so welcome to the podcast. Yes, well, I say we, we have had the dubious distinction that television or magazine, I think they've now stopped doing it, but they used to have not just a poll of um, you know the, the the biggest other agencies, but the ones that made the most commercials, and we used to regularly top this. Um, and that's what one of the reasons for that is that, that quite often if we make a commercial, the client says yes, but we want a hundred different phone numbers so that we can track the response. So that counts as a hundred hundred uh, ads. So I think I think last year we actually made over two thousand commercials one way or another. Wow, that's 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 huge. Um, so I guess coming back to, I think a lot of our listeners, you know, that are, are e-commerce brands, they may be thinking about their first TV advertising, and I guess I suppose the obvious place to start is objective, isn't it? And mm-hmm. I guess the objectives tend to be raising awareness, which I guess in the e-com business we would call sort of top of funnel. Or it's maybe generating a response or a sale, which again we might call sort of bottom of funnel. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I mean, nowadays I'm also hearing about brand response, which I kind of understand as some sort of mix of two think. things. Well, as I say, I, I would say that probably two-thirds of all the commercials we now make are brand response. And it's a, it's a sort of catch-all phrase that, that covers everything. But I, I suppose the first place to start is explaining that there are two completely different animals originally. There are brand commercials. These are the ones that when you get home in the evening and you turn on Coronation Street or whatever you're watching on commercial TV, they're 30 seconds long. They're raising awareness about a car or a soap powder. There is no element of response mechanism at all there and then. It's all about getting you to go to the shop for the next visit, you know, to inquire when, when convenient to you. And then at the other end, you know, the, the tradition of DRTV, direct response, which, of course, originally came from America, is a sort of ad that if you turn on what we used to call satellite TV in the afternoon, you'd see these rather longer ads, which would repeat a phone number or a website or whatever over and over again, uh, eliciting a response. So actually, what most advertisers want to do now is, is have the best of both worlds. And they want a commercial that, A, puts their name in everyone's mind so that, you know, prompted awareness, unprompted awareness, people know who they are. But they also say, well, we're putting this money on the screen. We want to see some direct return in terms of clicks to our website, sales, return on investment. Uh, And so to that extent, uh, the aim right at the start when you make a commercial is to define exactly what you want to achieve. I mean, I actually had a brief this morning uh, from a client who said, you know, we want to spend X amount of money and our aim is to get 4,000 responses in the first burst of advertising. So it's completely quantified. Uh, they know what they want to achieve and, and, and they, you know, they can, you can therefore judge whether the thing works or not. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think I've always been slightly sceptical about whether you really can do a brand and a direct response advert in, in, in the same copy. I mean, something I noticed Paddy Power did when they had a campaign is they had one unified campaign, 
but they had very clear direct response adverts for their website. And then they had brand adverts um, for their shops, which were kind of done in the same way. So you could see they were part of the same campaign, but the individual ads were very clearly either response or, or brand orientated. Well, I think traditionally, um, a lot of ads look like direct response and aren't. For example, I would say things like car insurance or price comparison sites. Um, and people actually buy, the, you know, the, the, the traditional car insurance ad would say, you know, you can get a better deal with us. We're cheaper. We're lower price, blah, blah, blah. Um, but they and they always say, call this number now, go to this website. But actually, people only renew their car insurance once a year. So they look and feel like a DRTV ad, but actually, they're really a branding ad. They want to get that company on your shopping list so that when your insurance renewal arrives, you say, oh, I remember that name. I'll go and check them out. Um, but I, I, I disagree. I think it is possible to achieve both objectives. I think, you know, you, you, you now that the the internet has simplified the process of if you can remember the name you know how to respond and you've got a high proportion of people dual screening with their phone uh switched on on their lap as they're watching tv the leap from going to the tv to responding doesn't mean going out to the hall and picking up a bakelite telephone it doesn't mean <laughs> going up to your office and firing up your computer it's literally the process of picking up your phone there and then so essentially all you've really got to get across is why would someone want to respond? And what's your name? Because from then on, they will find you and they will find you easily on a device that's readily to hand. So I would argue that you know every commercial should aim to have a response element, because why not? It, it, you're, you're getting some money back straight away for your airtime. And as you say, there's, there's obviously a huge move. I mean, I remember when you did the first advert for me, it was pure 0800 numbers. Mm. Um, uh, and obviously, again, over time, that completely moved over to the web. So just on that, I suppose another thing is that if the aim is to drive traffic to a website, you probably don't need quite as much information in the TV advert as you perhaps did in, in, in the past. I mean, what, what would you say is a sort of optimum length for a TV ad that's aimed at web traffic? Well, the, the beauty about this is, of course, these ads have got shorter. Um, uh, when 29 years ago, as I think you mentioned, we we started the company and we very soon established ourselves as experts in direct response. Uh, I mean, essentially, this whole culture had come from America and a lot of ads were 90 seconds long, even two minutes long. And they would repeat the number, the phone number ad nauseam just to hammer home the response information. But essentially, I would say the majority of e-commerce ads we make now are 30 seconds, sometimes 40 seconds. There are special cases where you need to, to have a longer story. For example, charity commercials, where you've got to draw people in emotionally, you've got to tell a bit of a story. Uh, and they can still be 60 or 90 seconds. But the vast majority are 30 seconds. Because essentially, you've got to do three things. You've got to get the, the, the name across. You've got to tell people why they should respond. And then you've got to make it easy for them to respond. But essentially, the, the response mechanism and the name are nearly always one and the same. So if people get the name, they know where to find you. Yeah. Um, actually, just while briefly mentioning response mechanisms, I mean, we, we've, we've obviously discussed um, the web, which I guess is, is, is the number one response mechanism, isn't it? But I mean, are people, are you also sort of seeing success with um, text or SMS? Yes. I mean, the, the what mechanism you use, again, totally depends on your target audience. So, for example, we do a lot of commercials for the 
mature market who stair lifts and over 50s life insurance, uh, even now the response in that target demographic is typically 70% by telephone. So if you put a website and a phone number, the majority still prefer to pick up the phone. For a younger audience, you know, the phone is an irrelevance. They want to respond using their phone via the website or via an app. Text response tends to sit alongside that. Charities use a lot of text response. I've always wondered if you give people too much choice, does it actually help or does it just confuse the issue? Because essentially, if you're asking people to respond by text, they might be people who otherwise would go to your website. Uh, You're just giving them too much choice. I'm not convinced it increases the actual overall response. I think you need to identify who your audience is. If you're e-commerce, it's likely that most of your clients will come to your website or via an app. So I wouldn't even bother wasting time putting a phone number. That can be on your website for people to pick up or with inquiries. But I, again, it's, it's all about keeping it very simple and straightforward and clear. And, and confusing the thing with all sorts of response mechanisms yeah. is a mistake. I can see that. So sort of going back to the, the creative side, which I know is, is, is your area, um, I mean, do you think – do you sort of ask the client for sort of, you know, a, a primary message and supporting messages or, or mm. you know, how, how will you actually sort of go about thinking what, <laughs> what you're trying to put over? Well, the, the, the frustrating thing about TV commercials is how little you can say. Now, the, as I say, the typical commercial is 30 seconds. If you write out the words for the narrator, you have a maximum of 87 words to tell the story. To someone who's used to building a website or having, that's three words a second and half a second of silence at the beginning and end. That's how you get to 87 words. For someone who's used to having a website with sub pages and links through to other things, or someone who's used to putting a newspaper ad together, say, oh, we'll use just a slightly smaller font. But you can't do that on television. You have to be, you have to be very focused on what your message is. So we have what we call the hierarchy of information, that you have to list the main benefits that you want to get across in the order of importance. And, you know, you just have to be ruthless about deciding what the main, you might get two, possibly three or four key messages into your ad. Here's who we are. This is why you should respond. This is how you respond to us now. And every script we write is always way over length to start with. And then it's a question of going through it line by line, word by word, cutting out unnecessary verbiage, removing unnecessary um, adjectives until you get it down to the magic 87 words or even less, because you don't want something that sounds like a machine gun being delivered if you have a bit of light and space and air to get the message across (laughs) in a relaxed way. The ad will work better. So we, we, we ask all clients to uh, fill in a sort of briefing form, which is no more than two pages. You say, what are you trying to achieve? Why should people choose you? Why should people come to your e-commerce website or whatever? And then it's just a question of taking a, a, a cold, hard look at this and saying, well, this, this is all we can get in. But what does the ad have to do? It has to deliver the viewer to the website, to the app or whatever. If it does that, we've done our job. And then it's yeah. up to the client to take over and convert that that custom that that person into a customer. I can see that. Yes. So the eighty-seven words is giving them a reason to go to the website, and then all the various details can be filled in um, once they're online. Yeah. But I guess I mean obviously TV. I mean we've talked spoken there about the words, but that's just half of what a TV ad is, isn't mm. it? <laughs> yes. So the the other half is what we're, we're the, is the visuals that we're watching. 
Well, I, I always say, please remember, I mean, there's a traditional sort of DRTV, what we call SMO advert, shouting man in office, which was you know, <laughs> very popular in, in the in the sort of 90s and, and whatever, which is just, you you know, people were, weren't used to this. You've got a presenter who stood up and, and read a script direct to camera and said, yes, we can solve all your problems now. Or have you had an accident that wasn't your fault or whatever? But actually things have got more creative you have to remember that this is all you know television is all about pictures and um you you want to create a a commercial that's instantly recognizable and identifiable as being your commercial and what we mean by that is um a there should be a nice visual image in there think when you look at the ad is there an image i could take out of there and use as a poster because that's a very good test for example if you've got uh a group of people, a family group who have bought your life insurance and they're having a sort of happy family day out or a picnic or something, that still image could work as a poster on a tube and train or I, whatever. That's I will always say a too, good test. Just on a technical point, I mean, the days when I first started out, you actually had to have a photographer on set if you wanted to use any of the images. Uh, but now with HD, the quality is so good that you can actually easily just take a, an, an image um, straight out of the ad and, and use it elsewhere. Yes, except if it's on the very big poster or something like that, you would you would still then have a separate photographer. Um, you know, the, the the quality is is usable, but it depends what it's being used for. Is a good advert of telling a story? Do you think, or is it more just focusing on you know the the, the features and benefits? Well, it's still the case that every ad there has to be a core idea. In other words, um, you know, it it is perfect. We get a brief from a client. And then we have to brainstorm ideas for the commercial. And I mean, at the simplest level, you could just say, well, here's a script saying what the, what, what the product is, uh, what the benefits are, and here's the call to action. And I think something referred to as a plain vanilla script. But actually, that's not what people want. People want some sort of clever idea or twist or a song or a jingle or, or a, you know, something memorable because – the context is that, that a lot of commercial, particularly during daytime, when a lot of these commercials work very well, um, you've got what's called low interest programming. People have got the television on in the background. They might be doing the, the ironing or washing the cat or whatever they do. And um, they, they, you ought to cat their, catch their attention and then have something that cuts through with a bit, bit of a memorable idea. And that applies to every commercial. So we would always typically try and come up with three, four or five different ideas um and and you know it depends how inspired we feel or sometimes we hire outside creatives to help us so that we've got something of an edge something to give it slight distinctiveness so that when that commercial appears between two or three other commercials it somehow stands out and catches people's attention and so that's the constant challenge just to you know it doesn't have to be a a ground shatteringly original i mean not everyone always wants a, a talking meerkat with a russian accent but you've got to have something slightly distinctive or clever or you know, it, it just has it just to have some something to it that's more than 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 the script, if you like. Yeah. Okay. So I'm completely sold on the idea of doing TV. Um, so let, I'm now going to ask you a really hard question. <laughs> so, what sort of budget should I be looking at for um, for for creative? Okay. I'm going to answer that question by, first of all, uh, while you're sitting down with three cups of coffee, telling you what the average production budget is in the UK for a 30-second commercial. It is, and this is according to the annual television magazine survey, uh, which was published at the end of last year, it's £180,000. So that's when you watch 
across all TV, that is the average that is being spent to make a 30-second commercial in the UK. And that figure has drifted up over the years from about 150,000. And of course, when you see that sort of figure, you think, my God, what are they You know, flying uh, several crews with helicopters to Barbados or whatever? But a, a lot of that money doesn't actually ever go anywhere near the production because you have to remember that a, a lot of people use large advertising agencies and there might be uh, rooms full of people and account managers all of on an hour, hourly rate. And so therefore the budget includes several layers of management and overheads. But if you're a new advertiser and you come directly to a small agency or a production company or however you describe it, uh, and particularly if you're in the e-commerce space, the typical budget of the sort of things we do is sort of 15,000 to 80,000. That's the kind of bandwidth. Again, uh, I would always advise people to test at a low cost to see if TV advertising works for them and then, and then they can gain in confidence from the learning they do from their initial campaign. They can go back with a more you know, high-end production uh, and, and, and get more ambitious. But a cheap commercial doesn't necessarily have to look cheap. The key is to keep the creative idea simple and do it well rather than have a complicated idea on which you then have to compromise. Yes. So what, what are the things that makes an advert expensive? Then? Well, traditionally, if you made a brand commercial for, uh, say, a soap powder or something, you would have a, 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 a creative team who would say, this is how we want the kitchen that we're going to film this commercial to look like. You would then hire a studio like um, Shepparton or, 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 you know, Pinewood or something like that, and you would spend three days building that kitchen. Uh, so it looks exactly right. Now, obviously, if you use existing locations, uh, uh, as we tend to do, you, you find, you know, Andrew's kitchen. Oh, we like that. That looks pretty good. I'm not sure about that table over there. Let's replace that. Maybe give that wall a lick of paint so that it's a different color so it matches the brand guidelines. But you use the existing location instead of a big studio build. That cuts costs. Uh, artist costs can be a complete minefield. Uh, first of all, if you have lots of artists, they cost a lot of money. And of course, if you go down the celebrity route, as uh, a lot of traditional advertisers do, um, you know, you are talking typically hundreds of thousands of pounds uh, to get a celebrity for m- maybe just one day's work. Uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but one well-known celebrity got paid £650,000 for a day's work for us a few years ago. And the stipulation was that the Krug champagne in the dressing room had to be chilled to a certain temperature. So you can see how it's quite easy to to get. Uh, Music is another one. If you use a well-known pop song as a kind of easy way to give your ad a bit of a distinctive edge, I mean, typically expect to pay about 150 to 250,000 pounds per year for the rights to use that track. Um, Microsoft used uh, Start Me Up by the Rolling Stones. They paid nine million pounds for that. Uh, rather cheaper to get a specially composed track, uh, which might cost you one, one thousand, one and a half thousand pounds. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say something about booking talent, which I didn't know, really understand in the early days, is you can either book on the basis of a buyout or you can book with a smaller fee and then pay based on um, usage. Yes, the traditional route in the UK was to pay a usage, which meant that the artist or actor was paid by the number of people viewing what's called the TVR, television viewing ratio. So someone was sitting there calculating, oh, they've been on Channel 4, that spot got, you know, 
two million viewers, whatever, and they would then calculate on a, this complicated mathematical formula to say, well, this actor will get so much in terms of repeat fees. We don't do any of that anymore. We say, here's the deal. We're paying you this much to be in the commercial. Normally for a year, if the ad is successful and goes into a second year, we say, you'll get the same fee again. But obviously, it goes into a second year. That means the ad's working. So it's then a marginal cost. Sure. And just before we leave finance, I think I think the other thing I didn't really understand about the economics of production is that booking a crew a day is pretty much is the minimum that you can book a crew for. So I think something I found, well, I think actually from advice from you at the time, is if you've actually got a crew for a day, you may as well do quite a lot of filming. So you've got a bit more in the can, so you can maybe create some more adverts. You can certainly film all the options you might need. So, for example, if your product is currently selling for £15.95, uh, while you've got the crew there, you you know, you might record, you know, versions for other price points so that you've got them in the can and the future proofed. Uh, you might record different lengths of your commercial. Um, you, you might do slightly different creative routes. But yes, you're right. You've got the crew for a day and that can be quite a lot of people. So make the maximum use out of that because in actual shoot terms, it doesn't make any difference at all. Yeah. And actually talking about these versions brings us quite neatly on to testing. Mm. Um, and again, I know people... Obviously, in the in the e-commerce world, people test things absolutely all the time, changing websites, changing emails. And I know TV, you maybe can't have quite the same number of variations. But I mean, how would you how would you sort of typically approach testing, and what what sort of things would you be looking to test? Well, the the, the key thing with a, a new campaign is is the ability to test, and you have got certain you can't make lots of different creatives because that gets expensive. So you have to quite early on, decide on the ad you want to make. But of course, at the pre-production stage, you can research different creative options. For example, you might have two or three different scripts that you like. You can put those out to pre-production research in terms of focus groups uh, and, and get a steer on what's likely to work or what, or what isn't. Once you're making the ad, you've then got other variables. For example, uh, the length of the commercial, you might test different running times, a 60-second, a 40-second, a 30-second. Uh, you might test even shorter ones like a 10-second uh, because obviously – uh, the cost you're paying for the airtime varies hugely depending on the length of the commercial. You might experiment with different calls to action. As we were saying earlier, you might try featuring the phone number more promptly or the website or download the app or whatever it is. You might try different offers. Um, for example, a lot of holiday companies have time-limited offers. Book your cruise this month and you'll also get 500 euros spending money on board your ship or whatever. So there are different variables within the commercial that you can test. And and that's just within the creative element, because the other element, of course, is the airtime, different channels, different day parts, uh, start of break, end of break, all these variables. There's an awful lot you can learn. And even quite a small test, you know, of, of, of one commercial over two weeks, over a handful of channels, gives you a huge amount of data. So the, the trick to getting this to work is to think small, first of all, keep your budgets down, keep your ambitions low, do a proper test, then come off there, analyze everything carefully. Uh, and from those learnings, you can start to build in confidence so that you, you can get better and better at doing this and get better results. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the first the first campaign I did, I think Media Plus Creative, I think came in at under 20,000. 
pounds. Mm. So you know, it, it wasn't a big spend. Okay, so we're in the happy state. You know, we're advertising the ad as a hit, and I, I know this is again is, is a tricky question to answer. But I mean, how how long do you think you can keep airing an ad before it gets tired? Well, the very frustrating thing for someone like me who just makes the ads and doesn't have anything to do with the, buying the airtime is that occasionally we make a, a very successful commercial that runs literally for years. I mean, I saw one for a, a timeshare thing the other day on television that we'd made eight years ago, and it was still running completely in its original form. And if an ad runs year after year, everyone benefits. The actors get repeat fees. Uh, the media buyer gets an ongoing uh, slice of the, the money that, that's being spent. The TV companies themselves, of course, are getting the revenue. Um, you know, the composer is getting royalties, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone except us is, is getting rich. Oh, off the Sorry, let me get my violin out. <laughs> <laughs> we, we get paid once for making the ad. So, I mean, people have cynically said to me, you've got to make an ad that works reasonably well so that people get enthused about using TV, but not so well that they don't come back a year later and want you to make a new one. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think that's fair enough because, you know, it it has happened that that an ad has just worked so well that that you can't be saying, well, we don't want to change it because, you know, it's worked really well and and if it ain't bust, don't fix it. But, of course, the the wear out on TV ads is, is quite low because there are over 400 channels here uh, in terms of all the different platforms, and, and, and that's that's actually broadcast TV. So you can rotate your your uh, ad from one channel to another to different segmented target audiences, and people might not see the same ad twice, you know, in, in several years. So thank you very much, Victor. Um, that was well over 87 words of wisdom. Um, if you'd like to find out a bit more about us, search Machine Labs. Uh, we can help boost the performance of your e-commerce store. And if you're a startup, we'll invest in your business by giving you Machine Labs free until you've reached a thousand customers. Thanks for listening and see you next time.